Hey, glad you could join us today on RK Ministries podcast, where each week we engage culture with biblical truth by sharing a message of truth and hope from a biblical perspective. Like the podcast, share the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, find us on Facebook and Twitter, and hope that you enjoy today as you join us on this episode of RK Ministries podcast. Hey, good evening, everybody. Just thought I'd jump on and do a quick, maybe impromptu-ish, uh, live uh, live video tonight. And as always, uh, we're going to be putting this later on on our podcast, which you can find at RK Ministries, anywhere you can find podcasts. And just encourage you to go and find that podcast and to uh, like it and share it, uh, subscribe to it, and give us a good review. Uh, share it with your friends uh, if you like the content that we put up there so we can grow the audience and make an impact in uh, in this world for the kingdom of God. And, uh, and also, um, I'll be uploading this to my YouTube channel as well. You can go find me there, just Ronnie Knight on YouTube, and uh, uh, like that and share it as well and give us good reviews. Not that this this may stay up on YouTube that long, I don't know. But um, anyway, today we're, we're going to talk about a couple things that I think are important for us as kingdom people and important to the uh, life of the body of Christ, the church. Uh, I'm going to share with you uh, two videos. Uh, they're only a couple minutes long. Each one of them, they're just clips from... A couple of places. One's First First Baptist Church Orlando. Uh, the other one's going to be another Andy Stanley clip that came from a drive conference uh, last year uh, in about March. And again, both of these are going to be dealing with the issue of uh, homosexuality, the LGBT, or I like to call it the Alphabet Mafia, um, and the caving in of prominent church leaders, uh, and one especially troubling for uh, for me, I'm a Southern Baptist and pastor a Southern Baptist church, so it's very troubling when I hear what I hear from places like First Baptist Church in Orlando, who is, which, is a First Bab- which is a Southern Baptist church, and uh, another one's going to be Saddleback, we'll talk a little bit about it, because last year at the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Saddleback was called out for ordaining uh, female pastors, and so we'll talk a little bit about that. And this year, uh, the convention is supposed to deal with that issue because they, hey, the the committee over the rules or over that issue said, hey, we need to we need to we need to go back and talk about what uh, what the term pastor means. And so uh, it's hard for me to believe they had to take a year to figure out what the word pastor means in the sense that we understand it as Southern Baptists from the Baptist faith and message, which church who are part of the Southern Baptist Convention of subscribe to. Uh, but needless to say, that's that's the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention at this uh, at this moment. So we'll talk a little bit about those and in around the issue of of women pastors. Um, and we so uh, I just want to start with the um, the First Baptist Church. But First Baptist Orlando speaker, now this is, they're a senior associate pastor, 
Uh, I never met the guy. I don't know the guy at one at one time at least, uh, and may still be when I looked it up. I know at least last year. I think he was uh, uh, the chairman of the board of trustees for the North American Mission Board, which is uh, our, uh, I guess. North American homeland, American Canada, you know the North North American continent. They they deal with missions, sending out missionaries, sending out church planters, those kinds of things. So he's he's chair of that. Now the pastor of this church, the the senior pastor, I guess you could say, is uh, David Uth U T H. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing his name correctly. But he but the guy speaking is going to be Danny De Arm De Armas D E. De and Armas A R M A S, and so he is speaking about the issue of the diversity in their church. And again, just looking at their website, you know, I would say, hey, they are ethnically diverse, and praise the Lord for that. I, I wish uh, in our area there were more churches that were ethnically as diverse as this, but that's not the thing that I'm talking about. That is. That is the way the church ought to look. It's the only, actually, the gospel is the only thing that can that can break down the walls, the ethnic barriers, and those kinds of things that that uh, seem to divide us as human beings. Uh, true unity comes in the oneness of Christ and the one body of Christ that we um, become when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And he talks a bit about that. But there's some troubling things in what he says as it relates to sinful activity in the life of human beings. And so I'm just going to let you hear his words, and then I'll, I'll comment a bit on it. And it will tie in directly with, with one of the main points I think I want to make uh, as it relates to this issue with with Andy Stanley's comments as well. So, again, hey, you guys, I, I, I do all this myself. So uh, right now I'm using, just so you know, my setup. I got, I got a little teeny... Uh, teeny tablet computer slash tablet that uh, i'm looking at for some info but uh my webcam is my uh, current iphone what am i going to play this video on is an old iphone that i had say still functioning still working uh, so if anybody has any pointers on software that i can help tie all this stuff together where i can you know just use one device and use the iPhones as cameras or whatever so I don't have to hold uh, to the microphone uh, this video that I'm about to play to you. I'd love to be able to to uh, share the screen with you in some way using the tools that I have at the moment uh, and so you could see the video as I see the video but Suffice to say, the best thing I can do today is just play the video and let you hear uh, the audio. I guess I could turn it around so you can see it on the iPhone. So, hey, this is this is Ronnie's uh, Redneck Podcast uh, technology uh, about to take place, and maybe I'll just turn it around and let you hear. But this is First Baptist Church Orlando, uh, and this is their senior associate pastor, Danny DeArmas. And listen to what Danny has uh, to say. Greeting and welcoming new people who are walking in for the very first time. We have those who love traditional music and hymns and those who know only contemporary music. We have choir lovers and non-music lovers, a pipe organ and loud electric guitars. We have the 99-year-old World War II hero and the millennial immigrant who doesn't know anything about American history sitting on the same row and listening and learning about Jesus together. We have transgender. 
All right. Yep. I want to stop before he gets into that uh, into that part. I'll back it up just a grunt. The 99-year-old World War II hero. So far, until he got to the transgender thing, not a problem. In, in almost any church you go to, you're going to have people who love different music. They love different styles of music. They come from different backgrounds. Even if even if we are uh, the same ethnicity, we, we've got different lives that we have lived, which brings some distinction to our, uh, you know, uh, the baggage we carry, the likes and dislikes, our personality. So, I, I, hey, diversity, I, I get it. We, we ought to embrace each other, no matter where we have come from. And so far, not a problem, okay? Because that's the category of humanity. That that all of that is umbrella under the category of this is humanity. We are we are different, right? In the sense of our color, of our where we grew up, the 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 things that shaped and formed us as it relates to you know likes and dislikes. Now where he's about to go is where it begins to um, change. Because the category concepts shift, okay? And so let's listen to what um, what he has to say. Well, maybe. And the millennial immigrant who doesn't know anything about American history sitting on the same row and listening and learning about Jesus together. We have transgender, LGBTQ, straight, single, married, divorced, and cohabitating people. Okay, so you see what just happened there is there's a category shift, uh, and it's a it's a fallacious category shift in 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 my opinion, because we've moved from just humanity in general and what makes up humanity and the diversity we have in who we are as people, and now we are beginning to label humanity, and in particular in his case, we're beginning to label human beings who come into the church of. God, uh, into God's church, into God's body, and we're categorizing humanity by acts of sinfulness. We're going to see the same thing in Andy Stanley's video, so I'm getting ahead of myself on that. But you and I, got, we've got to recognize that. What this pastor has just done, this leader of this church, the shepherd of this flock, he has just began to categorize people and label them by acts of sinfulness. I hope that you see that because he's calling them transgender people. Uh, and again, we talk about communities. That There is no such thing. We, I know the words are out there and people say the words, but there is no such thing as transgender community or the, the gay community. If you're going to do that, now he does, I, I give it to him, he does add other sexual sins in this group. When it comes to transgenderism and, and homosexuals, and he starts to talk about cohabitation. So he's labeling people by the category of sin that they fit in. And if you don't see that that is a red flag coming from a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who has been given the assignment by God, uh, quote, to proclaim the truth of God's word, if you don't see that this is a problem, then you have a problem yourself. Because God deals with the issue of sinfulness. And we cannot begin to label ourselves by our sinfulness. And it's going to go further in just a moment, which is it's going to be more appalling 
and more egregious as it relates to the relationship that these people labeled by their sinfulness have with the church, okay? And again, we'll see the same thing in Andy Stanley's video. And I started with this because this is a Southern Baptist church, okay? This, this is a very prominent Southern Baptist church. And right now, I don't know what's going to happen at the convention. Lord willing, I will be able to go to the convention in, in uh, uh, New Orleans this year. And these topics will, will be dealt with, at least brought up, I hope, on the convention floor that, that to, to make the convention face these issues. Um, but that's where we are right now. And to date, the Southern Baptist Convention, as far as I know, there's crickets when it comes to these kinds of things. Does our Baptist faith and message have any validity anymore as it relates to the churches that are in good standing with the Southern Baptist uh, Convention? So... I could, I could go on about that and probably will in, in just a moment, but let's, let's continue to hear what he says uh, in, in the video. The same people attend, listen, serve, grow, and give. All right. Now, did you hear what he just said? These same people, now the people he just listed, yes, the 99-year-old veteran, right, and, the, and the, the Gen X person or whatever generation he said that, that uh, you know, they have a difference because of their age and, and their perception of the world, those kinds of things. But here's the problem. When he started labeling these sinfulness, the transgender, the homosexual, the cohabitating people uh, there, divorced people, right? And, and we can talk about divorce. That, that, in my opinion, is not the ideal, right? There are two exceptions for that in the Bible. But that's another topic for another day. But when we talk about these transgender, cohabiting people, homosexual people, these are definitely... In biblical theology and biblical understanding, they are sexual sins. And so these people, he says, it's one thing to say they come. Okay, good. Welcome every person who comes into the house of the Lord that brings in sin because that equals all of us. Okay, uh, none of us come sin free. To the house of the Lord. None of us come sin free to God. It's Christ who has to deal with our sinfulness. But he says these people... Come, they worship. That's another subject in and of itself. And I think um, I was going to go. We're in Romans in, uh, at Friendship Baptist Church right now. And by the way, if you don't have a local church and you're in uh, the Elmore County, Tallahassee area, uh, we invite you to come to Friendship Baptist Church where we preach through God's Word, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Um, if you expository preaching, so if you don't have a church, come there. We're in Romans right now. I was going to go, you know, in my younger days, I used to, I've always says, Hey, I'm too young to preach from the song of Solomon. And I had a moment of inspiration where I thought after Romans, I would try to tackle the song of Solomon. But I think I have changed my mind on that. I'm still too young, I think, to preach from Song of Solomon. Not really. But uh, one day I may preach from Song of Solomon. But here's what the Lord's been impressing upon my heart lately. And, and it relates to things like this that we're hearing in our culture and that Christianity and Christians, not way off in Orlando, it, it's happening around us as well. We might not see it prominently as we do these kinds of things because they're big, large churches. 
but I think that I'm going to go into a series after we get done with Romans, preaching on uh, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and the validity of the law that it relate as it relates to Christianity today. Okay. And so I think that's where I'm going, because when he talks about worshiping, the first four commandments deal with the issue of worship. It is how we are come, how we are to come and worship the Lord. And then the other six commandments flow out of that as well. So we, you cannot just walk into the presence of the God, presence of, God, of a holy God, living in unrepentant sin blatantly, living in unrepentant sin, and think that you can worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. These people may come, and they may sit in a service, they may have an emotional experience because of the atmosphere, because of the songs, but you cannot come to God and worship this way in blatant, unrepentant sin. If you don't, if you don't think that God has a problem with sinfulness, and, and you don't think that God has, a, has an issue with how we come to him, all you have to remember is when David was bringing the ark back into, into Israel, and you remember when one of those priests who were assigned to follow it, they had it on the cart, and the cart wobbled, and the ark began to fall, and he put his hand up to steady the ark. In and of itself, he was thinking he was doing a good thing, stabilizing the ark of God so it wouldn't fall and hit the ground. Well, God struck him dead because he wasn't supposed to touch the ark. So if you think that we can come into the presence of a holy God flippantly and living a life of sinfulness that is unrepentant and blatant and in constant rebellion against God, then you you, you got another thing, uh, another thing coming. You don't understand the holiness of God. And you don't understand the magnitude of your sinfulness. So let's continue to listen. They, they're slowing it down for effect, whoever made this video. Straight, single, married, divorced, and cohabitating people. These same people attend, listen, serve, grow, and give. We have Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and non-registered people. We have documented and undocumented people. We have politically active and socially responsible people. We have pro-life and pro-choice and pro-war and pro-peace. We have support the blue and Black Lives Matter sitting together and serving together. We have Trumpers and never Trumpers. We have Biden supporters and Harris supporters. We have the ultra-wealthy and the indigent sitting together, singing together, and serving together. We have the social elite and the social outcast. We have the best dressed and the barely dressed. And in the midst of all of this, we have one of the most beautiful worship experiences you can possibly imagine. Because all of us gather around the good news of Jesus and the one who is changing us and the one who unifies us. And we celebrate how he has set us all free from our bondage to sin and given us eternal. All right. Did you hear this? It's almost over. There's like five seconds left. Did you hear what he just said at the end? At the end, he talks about this beautiful worship service that they have together. Not to mention, we could talk 
a while about the distinct worldviews that he just mentioned in that crowd when it relates to those who believe in who who, who are um, uh, pro-choice. Uh, to use the vernacular of the day, and those who are pro-life, those who are against abortion, killing unborn human beings, and those who are in favor of killing unborn human beings. Just think about the worldview distinction there. That's not unity in Christ. One is diametrically opposed to God's word, and the other uh, is in line with the sanctity of life of God's word. Now, we, we could talk about those on and on, but the, the point that he just made was, all right, we're labeling people according to their sinfulness. Now, I'm not talking about the, the political aspects, the Democrat, Republican, all those, kinds, all those kinds of things, but we could talk about the diversity in the worldviews that seem to be around those agendas from each one of those political groups. Um, but that's another topic for another day. But we're labeling these people by their sinfulness, transgender people, cohabitating uh, people, right? Uh, so uh, these fornicators, if you will, that, that are living with one another, they used to call it back in the day, sh shacked up uh, together. And he says that we come together and we worship around the good news of Jesus, the one who has freed us from our sin, well, how can you say those two things in the same breath? When you label people by their sinful activity, things that God has called an abomination in his word, and then you talk about Jesus freeing people from their sin, then you have forgotten exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll get there in just a moment. This is dangerous for everyone who is under the 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 shepherd of this church and i know nobody from that church will probably ever hear this video uh, you know i i'm praise god for the the 45 or 50 people that do listen to this and and pray hopefully that you will share it so it will continue to increase that other people will listen to this i know those people won't listen but if you know anybody who's associated with this get them this information it doesn't have to come from me there are other people out there talking about this as well but tell them they need to run from this kind of blasphemous, heretical teaching. And this prominent church with a person who's a prominent leader in a Southern Baptist organization, we need to be on our face. If we are Southern Baptists and we believe in the missional effort that Southern Baptists have been about uh, for in, in the in the history of America and around this world, we need to be on our face because we are on the precipice right now of caving in to the spirit of the age and the culture of the age. And we who are Southern Baptists must stand firm. We've already seen this happen in other denominations. We must stand firm. So I'd encourage you, if you're a Southern Baptist pastor, if you're a Southern Baptist church member, then you need to be at New Orleans, uh, if you possibly can, or at least communicating your disdain for this kind of thing uh, to the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I get it. Southern Baptists are not like other denominations. We're not a top-down denomination. The, the, the denomination doesn't dictate to its churches what we do. We are autonomous local bodies of believers are, who are in cooperation in a voluntary way with the 
Southern Baptist Convention, but part of that corporation is that, hey, we will align ourselves, or we align ourselves, not that we will, but we align ourselves with the doctrines of the, the excuse me, the Baptist faith and message. We, we can agree with that statement. Well, these things go directly against the statements, some of the statements that are made in that statement of faith. And you and I have got to stand up against, not just because it's Southern Baptist, but because of Christianity all over the world in, in, our, in our nation. No matter if they're Southern Baptists or, or, or you know, Methodists or Presbyterian or whatever, Christianity is under assault and, and Christians so-called, are caving to the spirit of the age. We cannot, we cannot cave to the spirit of the age to try to win people. We cannot, we cannot allow the gospel of Christ to be perverted and trampled underfoot in order, in, in hopes that if we cater to these people and this, this alphabet mafia's movement in our society that we're going to win people to Christ. No, we're not, because that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. How did Jesus set people from their sin? He dealt with sin. He appeased God's wrath against sin. I'm already on the rant, and I wanted to get Andy Stanley's uh, comment there, because he he's another prominent, he's not, as far as I know, Southern Baptist, but he has a prominent church with a lot of reach in our uh, world today. And he is echoing some of these same things. So now this is, again, uh, i got to find it again. My little Twitter clicked off. Uh, let me get it up, get the video going here. Well, let's give me the circle of death. There it goes. All right, I'm going to stop. So this comes from the, a drive conference that happened at their church, North Point Church. I think it's uh, Alpharetta or Atlanta, Georgia, somewhere in there. And um, it, it, this is part, of, just a, a short clip of a, a sermon. There's, there's a longer clip floating around. I could not find the 10-minute clip that goes with this, and I could not find the entire sermon anywhere. I don't know if they're hiding it somewhere where you can't find it. But anyway, uh, this, this is the best I could do, but it's enough for you to get the gist of what he's saying. You'll see how it ties in with what's happened in that first Baptist church, uh, Orlando. And this is not the first incident from First Baptist Church, Orlando. Uh, and I, this is not the first incident from Andy Stanley uh, either. But uh, this one, I, I'm just going to let it play all the way through, and then we'll come back and talk about it, because it, he's going to have some of the same concepts, uh, and I'll say some of the same things about this. So here, here you go. Maybe here you go. Let me get it going. Straight people. As excited about serving that and back. I want you to get it. Figure out how to get straight people. As excited about serving and engaging as the gay men and women I know, we would have a volunteer backlog. All right, I got to stop. I can't, I can't let it go all the way through because already I hope you see what he has just done. Just like the Orlando uh, church pastor, he has categorized humanity into straight and gay. As if to say, gay is a legitimate category for humanity. And already he's gone off the rail, right? Because it is not a legitimate category. It is a legitimate sinful category, a sinful uh, sexual sins. It is a category under sexual sins, gay or homosexuality. But we cannot, as Christians, 
allow these kinds of people to begin to legitimize sinfulness by saying that these are legitimate categories by which we can identify human beings. There's only one category of humanity as it relates to our relational aspect, and that is the, the, the category that God has set, and that is male and female in a monogamous, lifelong, heterosexual, if you want to use that term, relationship. That's the only category for sexuality and sexual relationships uh, in the created order of God. These other categories are sins that we are now, at least Andy Stanley is now, and, and the pastor at this First Baptist Church are now saying they're legitimizing this sinful activity into a legitimate category, or at least trying to make it into a legitimate category of humanity that is acceptable. They are on equal par in the sense that straight and gay are two equal categories. No, gay is sinful. Homosexuality is sinful, and we're going to bear that out in just a moment. And what they are saying in uh, saying that these people, hey, they're coming into the church. They love Jesus, and they're, 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 they're becoming part of the family of faith while maintaining this sinful activity. I get it. We're all sinful. But if we blatantly and willfully know that there's a person who is unrepentant and living blatantly in rebellion against God, whether it's in homosexuality, whether it's transgenderism, whether they're beating their spouse or they're abusing their children or it's pedophilia or it's cohabitation, adultery, whatever it is. If we, willing, willf, if we know that and we willfully allow those people to serve, take leadership roles in the, in the church, then we are in direct rebellion against God's word. So let, let Andy Stanley go on. That's my experience in our churches. Well, I, I'm a gay person, I'll just read it to you. A gay person, when I say gay, men and women, okay? A gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. They have more faith than a lot of you. A gay person who knows, you know what? I might not be accepted here, but I'm going to try it anyway. Have you ever done that as a straight person? Do you, where do you go that you're not sure you're going to be accepted and you go over and over and over and over? Oh. All right. He, I'll let you listen to the rest of it. He makes a funny joke. But do you see what he just did again? He's still legitimizing as equal categories of humanity, straight versus gay. When in God's word, to use his language, straight, heterosexual, sexual relationships in a monogamous, lifetime, married relationship. All right? Anything outside of a man and a woman in a covenantal marriage, any sex outside of that, the Bible deems as sinful. And he looks at homosexuality, and the Lord says, hey, that is sinful, and it is an abomination. And so Andy Stanley, like Orlando uh, pastor, is legitimizing these. He's trying to soften our minds by constantly 
linking these two together as equal, on par categories. When one is a category of sinfulness, and the other is in line with God's created order. A monogamous, now he's just using a straight, because you're going to be straight people and you can be living in sexual sin as well. If you're having any kind of sex outside of a monogamous, outside of a, a married relationship, one man, one woman, for a lifetime, then if you're having sex outside of that relationship, it is a sinful uh, it is a sinful sexual act. And the Bible speaks very clearly about that. And homosexuality is among those sinful sexual acts. They're, it's not equal categories that these men are using. And they are deceiving those who are listening to them. And many millions uh, around this, this globe are being deceived by these kinds of things. Let, let's, let's continue. Only your in-laws house. That's the only place you go where you know you're not completely accepted, but you go over and over and over, and it's because you have to. But other than the in-laws, what environment do you continue to step foot in knowing at any moment you may feel ostracized? No place. I'm telling you, the gay men and women who grew up in church and the gay men and women who've come to faith in Christ as adults who want to participate in our church, oh my goodness. Okay. Again, I, can't, I, I don't apologize for harping on this category fallacy. Because see how he's doing that? The gay men and women who come to, cry, come to faith in Christ. As if they can be gay and continue to be gay when they come to faith in Christ. He has blatantly misrepresented God's word. He's, he's abandoned God's word. That's probably the better way to say it. He has abandoned God's word. And in just a moment, he's going to talk about passages that he knows about. He's going to call them the clobber passages, which homosexual, homosexuals call them, that because they are passages that are always brought up uh, by um, Christians when it relates to homosexuality, and they are valid passages to uh, bring up. One of those passages we're going to deal with in a moment, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He talks about, he, he mentions that passage in passing, but what he has just said is in direct, uh, it's a direct rejection of what God says in that passage that he says he knows about and are interesting to talk about. You'll hear his words in just a moment. I know 1 Corinthians 6, and I know Leviticus, and I know Romans 1. It's so interesting to talk about all that stuff, but just, oh my goodness. It was so interesting just to talk about that stuff as this. Hey, you know, that's just stuff in the Bible is interesting to talk about. It has no bearing on what we're talking about in this moment. How egregious this man has become as a pastor, so-called, of God's word. A gay man or woman who wants to worship their heavenly father who did not answer the cry of their heart when they were 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, God said no, and they still love God, we have some things to learn. Now look, I think I understand what he's trying to say in that statement when he talks about these gay men or women who uh, did not follow the cry of their heart. Uh, when they were teenagers, God says no, and they still love God anyway. It seems to me that he's trying to say, hey, these people had inclinations toward homosexuality. They wanted to act on them, but they didn't act on them. I, I may be wrong about what he's trying to say. It seems that's like what he's trying to say to me. But he says they still live in this 
um, homosexual inclination and they remain gay. Well, again, it goes contrary to what God's word. That's like saying the the pedophile the the you know you could you could replace gay with pedophile. We could say the the pedophile the 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 man or woman who is a pedophile, or it, to use today's language that is creeping up. You know they're trying to soften that as well. Today's language is minor attracted person. Well, well, the minor attracted person who hadn't ha- acted on their their um, their heart's desire, uh, they still love God and they want to do, to serve God uh, anyway. Well, y- you cannot continue to be what you are. Yes, I get it. We're all tempted. We're all tempted by sinfulness, but God changes us and changes our desires and He changes our wants. And we cannot, that's the danger in labeling humanity by their sinfulness. You, you, where are you going to stop? We're, we're, are we going to start calling people uh, alcoholic men and women? You're right, they, they, they continue to battle with alcohol, they continue to, to drink. Are we, we going to label people by their sin, sinfulness? Or we're going to call them adulterous human beings, adulterous Christians? Or, or is, that, is that where we're going with Christianity? That we're, going to, we're just going to label people by their sinfulness and, and accept that sinfulness? No. God doesn't accept that sinfulness. Doesn't, he doesn't accept any of our sinfulness. That's why Jesus came to the cross of Calvary to die in our place so that we wouldn't have to suffer the wrath we deserve to suffer because of our sinfulness. God hates sin. And he hates Psalm 5, Psalm 11, I think, both. He hates sinners, but he also loved us enough that he sent his son to deal with what he hated so that you and I, if we will repent and believe as Christ Jesus called us to in Mark chapter 1, if we will repent and believe, then God will impute the righteousness of Christ on our behalf. And Jesus, uh, he imputes our guilt on Jesus, and Jesus dealt with our guilt on the cross of Calvary, and we don't remain where we are. And so it seems as though Andy Stanley is saying, hey, we Christians just don't have this thing figured out. We need to learn from these gay and homosexual people uh, what the Bible is saying about homosexuality and because we must not have it figured out uh, correctly. Uh, I'll let it finish and then we'll, we'll get into a passage. If I can get the button to work. Come on, button. From a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages, right? we got to figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. So we got to figure this out. And you know what? I think you are. Uh, his thinking you are is we need to be affirming of these sinful uh, activities. But I think our understanding of these affirming activities, our, our, our understanding of what is happening uh, with these sinful activities ought to be what God's understanding is happening of these sinful activities. One more thing, and then we'll get into these, uh, this passage. And that is, uh, well, maybe let me get into the passage, and then I'll come and finish up with, with the Saddleback uh, Church. So I got, got my little notes here on my pink piece of paper, uh, scrap piece of paper. Because one of the passages that Andy Stanley, uh, make, sure, make sure this phone is off, so get the ding in the midst of this. 
Boom. All right. So one of the passages that Andy Stanley mentioned, Andy Stanley, I can talk, mentioned was uh, one of those, hey, clobber passages that Christians use to beat up on gay people uh, was 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. He said, I know 1 Corinthians 6. I know Leviticus. I know Romans uh, chapter 1, right? And he says, I, I, it's interesting to talk about all those things. Well, I'm glad it's at least interesting to him to talk about what God's word says. Well, you know, Andy Stanley, the last time uh, or earlier, uh, we was talking about uh, hitching, unhitching from the Old Testament. Now he's talking about unhitching from the New Testament. So uh, he, he doesn't like God's word anyway. He, he has an aversion to the Bible, to the Bible says. So I, I can see why it's just interesting to talk rather than being the uh, inspired holy word of God that he has shared with us that ought to impact how we think about him and how we live in this world in light of who he is and what he has done for us and through us uh, in Christ Jesus. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I, I, six I, I think I've got it pulled up here on my computer. Uh, and again, there's a whole context that goes with this right here, and we don't have time to get into the entire chapter, but you go back and you read the entire chapter starting from verse 1. We're going to pick up in verse... Uh, uh, let's just pick up in verse 8, kind of beginning of a sentence. It says, But you wrong and defraud, and do this to brothers. I'm reading from the Lexham English Bible, mainly because uh, I think the Lexham English Bible, uh, in the passage that is pertinent to where we're going, gives us the best wooden, literal translation of what the Greek says behind it. Most modern translations have it a little bit different, but it's the same It's the same idea, same concept, but, but the lexum matches uh, the Greek as close to word for word as it, it, it could possibly be uh, going into English. So anyway, we'll talk about that when we get there. But you wrong and defraud and do this to brothers. Verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous, the adekoi, the unrighteous, the unjust, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now keep that, mind, that statement in mind. He's about to tell us or give us a picture of unrighteousness, okay, in this context. And he just told us that these that I'm calling unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the implication is those who are unrepentant in this unrighteousness and continue to live in this unrighteous, rebellious state uh, in rebellion against God, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whereas if they will repent and and abandon that rebellion and bow their knee to God and bow their knee to Jesus Christ and the will of God and the will of Christ and trust Christ as their Lord and Savior, the opposite is true. They will be inheriting the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done for them and what God has done through them and to them in light of who Christ is and what Christ has done. And we'll see that as we go through this text. So, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexual immor sexually immoral people nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor, and the Lexham puts it plain and, and simple, I'm telling you. Uh, I'm going to read this and then I'll go back and read the ESV. All right, so, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral people, 
that's the word we get uh, uh, pornography from, pornaya, uh, in this pornoi in this context, in, in the form of the word. And it has to do with being a male, uh, could be a male prostitute or just a fornication. It really is it's kind of an umbrella term for all, uh, all sexual sin. Um, but it goes on to say idolaters, those who worship idols. Nor adulterers, again, that's another form of sexual sin, sin. Uh, moikoi here is the, the Greek term. Nor, here's where the lexum gets it right on, nor passive homosexual partners, nor dominant homosexual partners. And so you got the, the, the Greek word uh, malakoi is how the lexum translates, or is what the lexum translates as passive sexual partners. Some translations may put the, the term effeminate in there. So this is the passive effeminate partner in the in the homosexual relationship. And then you have the, the, the word arsenokoitai. And again, we have a whole video dealing with arsenokoitai, and it's on the podcast, and we have a Facebook Live that's dealing with that word arsenokoitai, uh, primarily in in um, in preparation for the movie 1946 that was coming out, which has already been released, apparently, but I haven't seen anything about it anywhere, uh, and I haven't been able to view it, so I really don't other than what the trailer uh, and, and the things you read about it said. But they're, the heart of their, uh, their movie is about the mistranslation of this particular word. And I don't have time tonight to go into every aspect of that. You can go look up those videos on Facebook Live, uh, on my Facebook page, and uh, on our uh, podcast. You can find the one about Arsenicoite. And Arsenicoite, just a brief uh, concept, or just a brief definition or, or background for it. it it really comes from um it's, it's the old testament leviticus i think it's 18 and 20 uh that have these two words together in the in the greek septuagint okay and and that's where paul gets this from and you got to understand the greek septuagint is the greek old test greek translation of the old testament which was the primary Bible of the first century church. It was the Bible. It was it was what Paul, excuse me, what Paul quoted from uh, for the most part uh, when he quotes from the Old Testament. Uh, so the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, is what Paul primarily used when he's dealing with quotation from the Old Testament. So what he does is he takes the word arsenos, which is male. And uh, koite, which has to do with bed, and the implication is sexual activity in bed. There, there are two words in the Septuagint, side by side in the Septuagint, talking about homosexuality as we understand it, men who have sex with men. And then Paul takes and puts them together. Uh, I think it's Dr. James White that says that there's probably one reference historically outside of the Bible, there may be one reference to this word in this form, arsenokoite, outside of the Bible, but Paul probably coined this word. He put these two words together to shape this concept, his, his understanding, his apostolic understanding of what Leviticus is talking about, this, I, this idea of homosexuality, men who have sex with men, not Boys, I think it's 
pederasty, they call it. Not, not boy, men who have sex with boys, because when you deal with all these clobber passages, uh, as the homosexuals call them, they're going to turn it into pederasty. This is just talking about men who have sex with boys. No, it is men who have sex with men in bed. Now, Romans 1 is one of, I think, the only reference in the Bible that deals with homosexuality from the feminine aspect, women uh, who have sex with women. So the Bible deals with this issue from both aspects. Here in 1 Corinthians, um, the Lexham English Bible puts it plain. They don't hide anything that the Greek says. We have the effeminate, which most linguistic Greek scholars understand to mean the passive partner in the homosexual relationship, while arsenokoite, the dominant partner in the in the, in the homosexual relationship, but arsenokoite is an um, uh, is an umbrella term for this idea of homosexuality as it relates to male homosexuality in particular. So, what has he said? These unrighteous people. He's describing these unrighteous people. So far, we've seen sexual immoral people. We've seen idolaters. We've seen adulterers. We've seen the passive and active partners in homosexuality. Verse 10, thieves, nor greedy persons, nor drunkards, nor abusive persons, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. None of these people, he said that twice, it's a bookend, started with, None of these people who are unrighteous will inherit the kingdom of God. Here's a description of unrighteousness. Now, this is not the, the only unrighteous description, but in Paul's context here, this is one of those vice lists. This is, this is his description in this context of what unrighteousness looks like, and it includes these things. And he says at the end of it, these unrighteous people I have just described will not inherit the kingdom of God. So how is it that these so-called preachers of God's word can, can begin to categorize people by these descriptors of unrighteousness that Paul says will never inherit the kingdom of God. And again, the implication is not that people are tempted to these things, but these are people just like these pastors are describing who are these things. They are either straight or they are either gay, right? And it, where is it going to stop? The plus on the end of the alphabet mafia's log, uh, letters is so whatever else comes in can fit under the plus. Because you only got so many lines on paper that you can make an acronym. And so where does it stop? Are we going to say we have straight Christians, we have gay Christians, we have pedophile Christians, we have thieving Christians? You know, what? where is it going to stop? Paul says those people who live in these unrepentant states of existence, these unrepentant lifestyles, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Well, look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. This is where these two guys go off the rails. Okay, When you start labeling people by their sinfulness and accepting them in their sinfulness, okay, listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 says. And some of you were these things. The ESV, I said I was going to go back and read the ESV, but the ESV in this case says, and, some, and such were some of you. Some of you were these things. 
but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. What's the implication of that verse? You used to be homosexual. You used to be a thief. You used to be a drunkard. You used to be greedy. You used to be an adulterer. You used to be an idolater. You used to be a fornicator. But you are no longer those things. You have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified. That's what he's saying. You, you, these things have happened to you. God, and, and again, washed is, is really in the, the middle voice in, in, as a verb, which could mean you washed yourself to some degree. Uh, but the implication, the, the implication is that God is the one who has washed you. Why? Because the other two verbs are in the passive, which meaning it's, it's what was done to you by someone else. You didn't do it. You know, you, you, you received this. God sanctified. You were sanctified. And the implication is by God. When we read the last phrase, you'll see that. You were sanctified. You were justified. You, you were washed. It goes back to Romans chapter 8. And Paul using that kind of language, the aorist, the simple past. This is a done deal. So the, the aorist passive or middle passive indicative I think they are in in Romans 8 you can go look that up to make sure but it's God who has done these things and it's a statement of fact God has done these things these are errors passive indicative verbs in the past because of your faith in Christ God has washed you God has sanctified you and God has justified you you are no longer those things so you can, there, there is no biblical concept of labeling people under their sinfulness and accepting that category as a legitimate Christian category. It is absurd. And these guys are in heretical territory. They are blaspheming uh, the name of God and God's word and his revelation that he's given to us. Look into the last night line of this passage. 1 Corinthians 6.11, I'll read it again. And some of you were these things, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. How were you done it? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by, it's really the same Greek word, and, E-N, but it can be translated as by in this context, but by the Spirit of God. It is in Christ, by the Spirit of God, that you are washed, sanctified, and justified. What did he say in the beginning? These are unrighteous categories. Unrighteous, sinful categories. And those who are in these unrighteous, sinful categories will not inherit the kingdom of God. You used to be like that. But now you're not unrighteous, you are righteous and you are sanctified because of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. There is no biblical concept that you can come to faith in Christ and to continue to live in sinfulness. The Bible does not teach that anywhere. And for these guys to label these people in the category of their sinfulness and try to 
make that be a legitimate category of Christianity, they, they have gone far off the reservation. And anybody who is under their um, leadership, anybody who is under their preaching, needs to run. They need to go and find somewhere else uh, to worship. They need to find somewhere else to be fed from God's word because they are being led astray by these men. So that's, that's my spiel on Andy Stanley and First Baptist Church Orlando. And again, if, you, if you're Southern Baptist, this is an issue that is going to continue to rear its ugly head in the church, and in particular in Southern Baptists, and we need to stand firm. We need we need to voice the truth of God's word unashamedly. Do it, hey, as humbly as I can, understanding that I'm not a perfect person. Never claim to be a perfect person, but one of the things that, one of the things that God has called me to do is to proclaim the truth of his word and to stand firm on the truth of his word, no matter what. Not my word, not my feelings, not the spirit of this age, but to share the unadulterated truth of God's word. And, and that's what I'm trying to do, and I'm trying to warn you. We, we've got to stand, because we Christianity... And again, not everybody who calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. And I don't know people's heart, and I can't bring judgment on people in that way. I, I, I can't look at a person and say, hey, you're a Christian, you're not a Christian. I can look at fruit. I can, I can see the fruit that they bear and say, hey, that fruit doesn't line up with what God's Word says is a Christian. Or it does line up with what God's Word said is a Christian. But I don't know their heart, and I can't look in their heart. But I, I, can, I can tell you that what these men are saying is contrary to God's Word. And then another thing which might not seem as important to some, but it's equally as important because, again, it is a violation of God's Word. And, and again, th this one may get me in more trouble than what I just said, <clears throat> to be honest with you. This has to do with, with Saddleback uh, Church in California. And for those who've heard about that church before, Rick Warren uh, was the pastor there for many, 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 many years. When I first went to uh, Bible college uh, and, and got my undergraduate uh, degree in theology, uh, one, of the, one of the books that we had to read was uh, a purpose-driven church, which was by Rick Warren. And it was in the when I was in undergraduate school, it was in the midst of the church growth moving movement, the seeker-sensitive movement, and, and his book was was at the at the peak of that movement, right? Because he went to went to California and he planted that church and um, been there for a long, long time. Well, one of the things that happens through time, unfortunately, is many. Uh, and, and it seems like it happens with with larger uh, denominations with larger churches that they tend to. And again, I think it's in an effort to try to appeal to people. In their their in their minds, they're saying we're, we're doing what we can to reach people to bring them to the gospel. And ultimately, what they're doing is is 
perverting the gospel because they're only sharing one half of the gospel and not the other half of the gospel. They're only sharing, hey, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, but they don't. They never share that God uh, hates sin, you're a sinner, and you're under the judgment of God, and if you don't come to faith in Christ, if you don't bow your knee to Jesus Christ, God is going to judge you. He's going to cast you into hellfire, and you will spend all of eternity suffering the wrath of God. So they don't share that part of uh, the gospel. Because both of those are part of the gospel. John three sixteen. God for in this way God loved the world. For for God so loved the world. We know uh, the the way that we memorize it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But quite literally, God loved the world in this way. And how did He love the world? He gave His Son. What does it mean that He gave His Son? He gave His Son on the cross of Calvary. Ultimately, is what it means. Uh, that he gave his son to stand in our law place to suffer our wrath on the cross of Calvary. God, uh, as Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for, you know, our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. But in, in verse 10, he says that it pleased the Father to crush him. He crushed Christ under the weight of his wrath on our behalf. Christ stood there on our behalf. 1 Corinthians 5.21, he, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So that's how God loved the world. He crushed his son under the weight of his wrath so that you wouldn't have to be crushed under the weight of his wrath if you will repent and believe in Jesus Christ, if you will bow the knee to Jesus Christ as, Christ as Lord and Savior. So in their effort to appeal to the culture, of the, uh, to, to the culture, to the spirit of the age, and, and get people to the gospel, uh, they begin to go uh, liberal on their theology in their caving to the, to the culture. And one of the ways that that is happening in the Southern Baptist Convention as well has to do with this issue of uh, women pastors, to use our vernacular. And again, I know this will, this will probably get me in trouble more than the, the homosexual thing among Christians anyway. Or at least among uh, some of the Christians I probably know. But anyway, I will tread on. Uh, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against women. I, I love women. I married one. Uh, I have three daughters. So, uh, and several granddaughters. Uh, or a granddaughter. <laughs> i got several grandsons, too. But a granddaughter and, and uh, several daughters. So, it's not that I have anything against women. And uh, I think I was sharing... Uh, Wednesday night at our church, uh, we got on this topic in our prayer time because we need to pray for our convention as Southern Baptists. Women have have done powerful things in the Scripture. We, we, we one of my wife's favorite um, females is Deborah, and Deborah Deborah took the lead, took charge. Why? Because well, one, the man wasn't, uh, and so Deborah took charge, and she did what needed to be done. And God has used women, Rahab and Ruth, uh, in in the lineage of Jesus. We have these these women who are there, uh, in in the, these these Gentile women, uh, as a matter of fact, who are there. And women were the first people at the the first people at the tomb well, on on the on the the Sunday when Jesus rose from the dead. They were the first ones there. And that's another uh, not to chase a rabbit, but that's another validation that the New Testament is not a fable. It is true and factual. Why? Because if it was a fable, the men would not have put the women at the tomb first. They wouldn't have given them that credit. The men would have been there first. But the women were there first. And God has used women in mighty ways throughout church history. And there's women can women can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, every believer has been called to be a, a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a preacher in in a sense, if you want to use that language of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we've all been called to herald uh, that and work and, and be ministers in that way and minister. But but when it comes to 
leadership in the ecclesia, the called out ones, the family of faith, what we call the church. When it comes to leadership in the church, the Bible has set clear guidelines in, in Timothy, right? Well, God has set clear guidelines for those roles for uh, and again, I think sometimes the, the word pastor becomes too um, simple. Uh, I think the Bible describes us, the, those leaders as elders, bishops, overseers. And the Bible's concept is not a single pastor. It's a, it's a multiplicity of elders or, or leaders in a local uh, church in a particular geographical location, and those churches are scattered all over the place, and each one of them has their own set of of uh, leaders. But there are there are guidelines for those leaders in those official capacities. Those that in the Southern Baptists and many other denominations that are ordained, those people, whether they be deacon or whether they be pastor or elder bishop, whatever term you want to use there, those are by God's design, by God's decree, by God's word, to be men. And so what is happening at Saddleback Church and probably in other churches that we just don't know about because they're not maybe on the forefront as Saddleback is, is Saddleback has won a few years ago. They ordained a couple of women pastors, which would have been ministry, you know, ministry um, leaders, if you will, but and, and that's what ultimately got them called out. Um, but here's what's happened when Rick Warren stepped down. When Rick Warren stepped down, a new pastor came in, and here's how the church describes this. And this this pastor has made statements in other interviews that the church needs to get ready for women pastors in the sense to fill that official role uh, as the Bible describes it, which ought to be uh, filled by uh, men. But listen to what their website, this is from saddleback.com, uh, visit about and leadership. If you go to that link, you will see uh, their staff and their current pastor, Andy Wood, and here's how they describe this leadership team, okay? says, pastors, with plural S, pastors, Andy and Stacy Wood. Stacy's his wife. So what are they saying? That this husband and wife team, they are the pastors. And he describes his own wife, not in this uh, description, but in another interview, as a teaching pastor. And so, again, what are we doing? We are abandoning God's word. And I get it. They are, again, this is not demeaning women. Men and women are created equal but not the same. And that's why transgenderism doesn't work. We're equal but not the same. Women, women can do a lot of things that men can do. And some of those things women can probably do better. But women can't do everything that men can do. That's why when these transgender male, these, these male athletes go and compete in women's events that they dominate. Just because of the biological uh, science of it. Okay? Men are equal, but not same. We have different roles. We have different roles in the family. A mother can't be a father. A father can't be a mother. 
No matter how, how our society wants to make us think they can, with Buttigieg and his buddy uh, sitting up in a hospital bed with the, the baby that they adopted, that's not father and mother family. That's not normal. That's not natural. That's not the way God intended it. Men can't be mothers, and women can't be fathers. Child, child, a child needs both. Okay? And so in the same way with the church, God has designed it. And God has decreed it in his word that men are to be the spiritual leaders in the home. Men are to be the spiritual leaders in the church. They are to fill those official roles of elder and bishop, overseer, and deacons. Not the women. Women have roles that they can fill. They have functions they can fill. But not those. And that's the rub. That's, that's the egregious nature of it. We are just abandoning God's word. And here's the thing that gets me with the Southern Baptist Convention. Last, not last year, year before last, last year was in, in California, Anaheim, Anaheim, and hey, not many people can, well, I guess a lot of them can, I couldn't afford to go to Anaheim, California, but anyway, uh, year before that was in Tennessee, so I went to the Southern Baptist Convention in Tennessee, um, and this was, uh, maybe it was last year when I heard it, I, I watched it, yeah, it was last year, I think it was, I watched it, but anyway, on the Florida convention floor, whether it was last year or year before last, I can't remember right this minute, but on the convention floor, this issue was brought up. And the leadership of the committee, who's over whether or not, I guess, a church is in a good faith relationship with Southern Baptist Convention based on our statement of faith and the things that Southern Baptists believe and the corporate program and all those things that we agree to participate in, they says, hey, we, we, we got to go back and try to determine what the word pastor means. Now, if I don't give you cause for pause about the leadership currently in the Southern Baptist Convention, I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what ought to. Well, why is it that they have to go back a year to f and, and, and contemplate for a year what the word pastor means? What the word pastor means has been defined for us. We use the term pastor, but elder, bishop, overseer, same category. What it means is what the Bible says it means. We already have God's word to tell us what it means. And not only that, the Southern Baptists already have the Baptist faith and message the statement of faith of the Southern Baptist Convention that defines what a pastor is and what a pastor is in that statement of faith is what the Bible says a pastor is. So if you can't see the slippery slope that we're on as Southern Baptists, you've you got to open your eyes. you got to open your eyes. you got to get in tune with what's going on in both of these areas Again and again, we could talk about all areas of sinful activity when it relates to sexual sin. Homosexuality, transgenderism are at the forefront right now because that's what the culture is, is trying to force us to accept as normative. Not only normative, they're trying to help us to see that, hey, these people have a higher understanding of human the human existence. And you, backwards Christians, need to come along. Or get out of the way. Or we're going to make you get out of the way. Is the implication that is coming down uh, down, the, down the road. So uh, I won't belabor this anymore. But please, if you're a Southern Baptist, pray 
for the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention. If you can make your way to New Orleans uh, this year to the Southern Baptist Convention, make your way there. Make, let your voice be known just by uh, your, your vote. It's hard for me. By vocational pastor, I haven't been to, to many Southern Baptist conventions. As a matter of fact, the one I went to in Tennessee is the first one I've ever been to, uh, mainly because I work. Uh, usually the churches I pastor by vocational, you know, we're, we're tied on our budget, so it's hard sometimes to go to these far-off places. Uh, but when they're, when they're in places that are close, as long as I'm a Southern Baptist, I want to try to get there where I can drive and I can afford to go, and the church can help, uh, help, uh, you know, subsidize some of that cost. We, I want to go and make my voice known. You make it a point to go with your church and make your voice known at the Southern Baptist Convention and pray for the leadership. Uh, you know, we we dealt with the with the drift to the left many years ago and. <laughs> Quite honestly, one one of the one of the ones that brought us back to the conservative side uh, was Andy Stanley's dad, Charles Stanley. So it's a uh, it's a shame to see Andy Stanley go the way that he has uh, that he is going. And pray for him. Pray for this uh, First Baptist Orlando that God would open their eyes to see the era of their ways, and that uh, they would right the ship, right themselves in their theology, and, and align themselves with with God's word. I get it, man. My heart goes out to, to, to try to reach lost people. But I'm here to tell you, if we continue to only share one side of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we don't share, if we don't share the wrath of God, if we don't share the reason people need to be saved, it's because God's going to pour out his wrath. He's going to judge all of humanity and help them understand and see the sinfulness of humanity. And that's why God is pouring out his wrath. And that's why God sent Jesus to bring about our salvation if we would repent and believe in him. So hopefully this was beneficial to you. Don't forget to go to the podcast. I'll try to get that up a little bit later on. Find it and share it, like it, uh, and share this with your friends and your neighbors and just help uh, help uh, spread the word and increase our audience to the best of our ability. And those, again, uh, I'll appeal to you who listen. If Maybe you know somebody. If you've got insight on technology that is uh, affordable, Portable and are free, preferably, that would help me uh, ed- enhance uh, what we do with screen shares and those kinds of things. So I am all ears for any advice that would help help do that. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face uh, to shine upon you.